Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Freelance writer, player of games, writer of words, recorder of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only live stream of Crafting Icewind Dale, which I build right and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Happy uh, President's Day, I believe. For playing characters of all Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, this is not meant for you. Please do not tune in, but for the rest of you, welcome, warning, there will be many, many spoilers. We stream our sessions live on YouTube every Friday evening. Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash Rogue Watson. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net. And for streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. It is uh, sounding like we have a thunderstorm rolling in right now where I'm at. So if... Uh, you suddenly lose connection it uh, is most likely me and not you <laughs> and uh if that happens it depends on how far we've made it to the stream if we've made it pretty far i'll probably call it for the night and uh if not and i get power back then i might try to restart it but most likely if i'm losing power probably not so anyway hopefully nothing bad will happen but just fair warning it is it, we hit like 80 degrees here in texas which isn't that unusual for february but it's like immediately going to drop another like 30 degrees tomorrow. And when you've got warm air and cold air, I don't know much about that science, but uh, that storm weather out there. Um. All right, so let's talk about D&D. Hello, Nathan, Pythagoras, Nick, David, Stan. Good to see you all. This is a weird week to talk about D&D because... Uh, I don't really have any like maps or tokens or visual aids <laughs> we're mainly going to be just talking about story stuff because we ended the last session pretty much exact yeah that texas power grid no shit <laughs> although i think we held on pretty well but that's also because we can get a week of freezing weather uh, we only had like a day of it uh, we completed the session about where i thought we would last time which was finishing the fight um wrapping up the cutscene of east haven getting the characters the special mcguffin item and uh, convincing them to short rest rather than long rest, which I'm glad they picked up on. Thankfully, my players are very pliable when it comes to that. Um, I would think that a lot of players, that might create a lot of animosity between the player and DM relationship is if players are trying to rest a lot more than, um, that, that would possibly upset the balance of the game, even though realistically maybe they could, you know, rest. So I'm glad mine don't abuse that too much. So what we've got now is basically a journey from East Haven to Bryn Shander with a shit ton of refugees. I think we stated it was like, hey, let me fix my window, back window. Um, hundreds of people are uh, fleeing East Haven with their bug out bags, their families, just everything they've got, everything they could get out of there uh, and are going to Bryn Shander because that is apparently the crisis protocol. If if shit is really going down, everybody goes to Bryn Chandler. Now, unfortunately for everybody, Bryn Chandler doesn't exactly have um, like a stellar defense against dragons. I don't know if I don't think most towns do. I think Waterdeep has like some kind of magic protecting it. And I mean, like major major cities, obviously they've got actual shit. They've got like you know knights riding griffins and shit. Like the Icewind Dale doesn't have any of that. These are frontier people that, and you know they don't usually have a lot of invading forces anyway because the cold kind of keeps everybody away. Um, so unfortunately, this whole area is just kind of fucked uh, by the Shardland Dragon. 
Now, the players did warn, uh, which I really appreciate that they did that. They did that two or three sessions ago now, where they sent off, uh, Edmund had a little artificer homunculus thing, little mechanical pet, and uh, sent that with a message to Bryn Shander and basically warned them of everything that happened. And then not only did they do that, and I think the marshals have enough cred where that would be um, hopefully taken seriously, but I calculated that there would be refugees coming out of uh, Goodmead and will have probably made it to Bryn Shander to confirm <laughs> the, the survivors from Goodmead would have confirmed. Because it says that there's you know, a couple dozen that basically flee into the woods. In fact, you could even um, make a cool note that because the players found... Well, that'd be a cool thing to say. Because the players found that hidden tunnel underneath the uh, brewery, that maybe um, that's where a lot of people went because, unbeknownst to them, or maybe they realized it later on, that uh, Zardarok specifically did not want to destroy the Mead Hall. He just destroyed everything else, so people would naturally... Uh, maybe end up fleeing to the meat hall and then um maybe because they knew uh that you know the, the players had the whole adventure in good meat and they went to that tunnel and then that tunnel led them to the uh verb big layer i think is what it's called in the book and had all that adventure then maybe that's how they the others were a lot of the survivors were able to escape they actually fled out of that tunnel and um ended up in that you know cave in the forest like a mile out of town and then whenever the dragon left they were able to basically continue on you know, north to the east way. And we're getting probably a little timey-wimey in terms of the, you know, okay, did they really actually make it there first? But, you know, the dragon still took, I think, an hour or two to make it to East Haven, and then it's been at East Haven for a couple hours. So that tells me that maybe by the time the... Probably right now, around the time of now, I would think that refugees have made it to... Uh, from Goodmead, at least, have made it to Bryn Shander, and thus they were able to corroborate the message that the player sent and that would be the all the confirmation that i think they would need dragon destroyed my home and business thanks obama directed the marshals <laughs> um so what i'm gonna have happen is when the players leave east haven i think they will um get a message back via edmund's homunculus will have uh, will be returning with a reply message that will essentially say, um, I don't know, thank you for, not thank you for the message, but you know, like your your message, you know, we received your message, we weren't sure, um, you know, if um, we weren't sure to confirm it or, you know, what was going on, but then we had some refugees show up and they were able to confirm everything. And I've, you know, and this is Speaker Devesta Shane saying, I've mobilized, you know, our militia, we've set up uh, like triage and medical tents, um, and we've sent off messages to the surrounding towns. And then based on the time frame, unfortunately, a lot of the further towns just aren't going to be able to really respond in time versus some of the shorter ones, um, specifically Targos for sure, should be able to, um, you know, mobilize most of their forces if if they choose to believe. That's the other thing is, you know, they're just getting a message and they're saying, what is this? Is this some kind of trick? Like... You know, that Bryn Chander's pulling our leg. Like, a lot of towns might not even get the... Because it's not like people are, you know, watching the news or something. You know, they're not seeing this happen. It's just you hear word of mouth. So that part gets kind of interesting in terms of, you know, would Speaker Nareth Maxildenar really, like, in Targo, sit there be like, what the fuck is this? You're convincing Bryn Chander? But then maybe because he's got spies and, and things that are... Maybe he would eventually realize, because I really want him in Bryn Chander, because I think that'd be really fun for the players to pull that twist where he's, um, they like, like, hey, yeah, you should be the one to, you know, unleash the avatar. And then because I told them whoever unleashes the avatar, it kills them. That would be a really funny uh, uh, way to tie that whole little plot thread up, I think. About all the giant bees are dead. The PCs could ride them into battle against the dragon. You know, one of my regrets was um, not throwing it ascendant at them. Um, although... My plan was to throw a descendant um, after Sunblight. Uh, so it would have been after release the dragon, which would have been interesting if the players had even taken the bait. They might have said, like, no, let's ignore that and go straight on. But one of my plans for a descendant was if the players do go there and and do that whole quest chain uh, diplomatically, then maybe they come up with some cool way of using the a descendant ship to actually battle the dragon, in which case I wouldn't have done all the, uh, probably the Frostmaiden summoning thing. So 
an interesting like what if scenario and the only other option was to do it ascendant before they got to sunblight but i already threw cave the berserkers at them and they did uh Corkalok, you know when they left town so they already kind of had a lot to do before sunblight so i was planning on do it after and the reason i didn't run it after is because celeste fucking died because she was the one that was that was the whole quest chain was for was for her quest character arcs so was like oh shit i gotta tap the brakes on that then because this character literally fucking died and can't do that quest chain right now so We'll, uh, we'll we'll run it ascendant uh, somewhere after chapter four, which the weird thing about the way the book's constructed, you know, I talked about this in, in my Monday update this week for patrons, but uh, we're technically like 200 pages into this, you know, 300 page campaign or something, which seems really far. And yet we actually have a lot of chapter two content I still want to run. So I'm actually going to be using a lot of that stuff for this next, uh, you know, act two, I guess, which is mainly... Uh, Dark Duchess, It Ascendant, Lost Spire of Netheril, Revels End, um, the Goliaths. I don't know if I'll actually use their domiciles, but I plan on definitely doing an entire Goliath quest chain. I like Yarlmoot a lot. Maybe I can squeeze that in there. Black Cabin I would probably rewrite and squeeze in there. I mean, honestly, we could probably use most of Chapter 2 to just fill out, uh, but I would upscale it all to be uh, solidly Tier 2 adventure material. So even though we're on Chapter, we're going to be on Chapter 5, technically Chapter 5 is going to be like also mostly Chapter 2. So it's a weird way to judge based on the chapters of the book, unfortunately. And I get why they do that, because it's just, hey, this we're just, in this chapter is going to cl- include all of the surrounding material. The bad news is it's all scaled for, like, very little level ranges. And one thing I liked about, you know, Prince's was it was all spread out. So you had, here was a thing you do at level 3, here's at 4, here's at 5, here's at 6. So it feels like there's a lot of content for every single level range. Whereas here, it feels like there's a ton of content for that very early levels, which is probably overplayed in D&D. And then as you get up in levels, it was just like pure, like here's the few main quest areas and then you're done. And I really wish they would have taken some of that stuff in chapter two, the ones I just mentioned that are, you know, all over the place and just left those for later and, and upscaled them and made them, you know, a little fancier and more interesting, but I'll be having to do that work instead. <laughs> don't always obey hurricane warnings. Now people always try to write it out and that's true. That is true. There's always people that are just like, yeah, I can stay. We've been through this before. Okay. Thinking it is sent up for my game with some like fortress. Opportunity to have the ship with Yeah. I think so. I think that's a great idea, David. Um that was literally something I was thinking about doing for my players. Is like this would be such a cool way of having them deal with the dragon is being able to have this. Now I don't know if I would literally do the Final Fantasy thing and like, here's an airship you can use. That seems a little too much at this early in the game. It'd be really cool to have it later in the game, um, but literally giving them an airship. But being able to have maybe a one-time use or, you know, like you said, it's got some kind of complication or malfunction. Maybe it's just limited and on what it can do, or maybe they just had to slam it into the dragon, you know, something to where you don't literally have just an airship to roll around in, but you do have some kind of tool would be very cool. Fortunately, this didn't quite work out in my campaign because I based all of that on Celeste's character and... She died before I could do it, but she will be resurrected in Bryn Chander. So I don't have any um, stuff planned for the Eastway. It's, uh, it's what is it, seven miles, six, uh, 13 miles, uh, which is only three or four hours in my uh, travel route planning. That's still a lot to do in, you know, freezing cold you know, perma-dark, nasty weather, and especially with a huge just train full of refugees coming. But the players have been through a lot. The people have been through a lot. And uh, I kind of see this as just the falling action. So I don't plan on having, like, you know, random encounters or, you know, and the players really do need, you know, a long rest. They're so close to just completely out of gas. Um, It just didn't feel... I guess the one I would do, this would be the time to do it because they're they're fixing to get along. But we already have the boss battle. I don't know. It just, my initial thought is not to do it. So I don't think I'm going to go back on that. I think it would just be busy. It just, it would really feel like just a random ass encounter. Like, oh, and crag cats try to, you know, attack. I mean, it makes sense because there'd be, you know, opportunistic animals and there's a lot of people here. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people here and hunter animals would generally, I think, stay away unless people are splintering off and wandering on their own. There is going to be an unemployed fox encounter for sure. Um, we never did name this poor guy, but uh, he will be uh, literally like, it'll be, I have it in my uh, Google notes where he'll be like, you know, hey, I haven't, I haven't heard anything from Ravison. You know, what's, 
and they can tell him that Ravison's dead, and what do you do now? And he says, I don't know, and maybe they tell him to fuck off, whatever. There will be a conversation there for sure. Um, there'll be a conversation with Captain Arlagoth, uh, who also doesn't know what happened in the town hall. So, and she will basically be the de facto kind of leader or voice of the people as the one NPC from East Haven we basically have left. We'll use her. Otherwise, um, we'll just get the players to Bryn Shander. I think that'll be a quick way of doing it. I mean, clearly I'll, I'll you know, have some descriptive language and stuff. And frankly, if any player steps up and, and is like, you know, hey, I go back and, you know, I cast some, I don't know, create food and water or or I, I go and look for the injured and try to heal them. You know, they don't, if they just tell me they do something, that would probably be enough to earn inspiration at this point because that is the way to my heart is just acting like a fucking hero and nice person. <laughs> or, you know, I guess role playing your character, but also just being a hero uh always pleases me um because i'm so used to playing with just hack and slash uh folks so that would be the only thing and then when they make it to Bryn Shander, um they will be greeted at the entrance and then they will satisfyingly see Bryn Shander has been mobilized they've got all these guards on the you know uh walls um and you know they're recognizable now this is the third time i think they've returned to Bryn Shander. what's funny is the conversation opener is if you all recall, the last time they left Bryn Shander was they got the quest to go take care of the goblins and they haven't returned since then. So literally Sheriff Southwell will be like, I fucking sent you guys off to fight a bunch of goblins and then we get a message back saying there's a fucking dragon headed our way. What did you do? And just let them have a funny, you know, conversation with that. Because um, generally they like the marshals and, you know, there's a lot of respect there and this should be like their main hub town. Um, uh, what else do I have here? Southwell will agree with any plans or tactics the party makes. If asks about the priestess who can res, he'll point them to Majan, which we looked at, uh, I believe last Thursday under the Bryn Shander section, which is the House of the Morning Lord, which is Amon, Amonator, Amonator, I don't like saying, pronouncing that, God of the Sun, not to be confused with the Thander, and apparently she actually really hates when, uh, they are... Uh, confused which she is a priest i technically she doesn't have access to raise dead but whatever she can you know we'll just say she's got that power if you give her the materials and things and the time it would take time and they won't be able to do it that night i will put my foot down on that because she's just overwhelmed with all these refugees and stuff and they'll say look you all get a long rest and she'll like come back to me tomorrow and we'll see what we can do and then i may manufacture a little bit of drama there i mean the thing is it's it's going to be an interesting like morality play because the the players will see people who clearly need aid. You know, a lot of refugees were injured or they were, they were suffering from exhaustion or whatever else. And you know, Brinchander doesn't have homes for all these people. This isn't you know they're not set up for that. So it's it's going to be a really really tricky situation. And then meanwhile, the marshals are going to budget budge in and say, hey, we need you know this really. Um, I almost said expensive medical procedure. It's an expensive uh, magical procedure to resurrect our friend, uh, which that would be something obviously that the the authority figures will recognize like, hey, by the way, one of your friends is like covered in fucking mushrooms and is a zombie. What the fuck? So, I, you know, I don't plan on um, stopping the players or anything dumb like that in terms of like, no, you can't get this done. I, you know, I want them to get it done and I want Celeste to get her character, uh, Rochelle to get her character back. Um, but I do think it's worth at least you know, describing the gravity of the situation and the fact that like, hey, this does take out time. And what I'm really hoping to do is the players then make the effort to say, okay, well, we'll help you or we'll administer aid or we'll do, you know, things during the town because I really want to treat this as kind of a role-playing exploration thing and try to make it at least partially like player motivated instead of just me throwing up a bunch of um, events like I did in East Haven where it's like, okay, you got to rescue the people. You got to do this. You got to do that. Instead, I want the players to be like, okay, I go do this. I go do that. Hopefully we get that. My players aren't the best at doing that. And they usually respond better when they're kind of, I lead them to the water and then they'll decide to drink the water, or walk over the water or pee in the water or whatever they do to the water, but they won't go find the water themselves. Does that make sense? You all know what that saying is, right? You can lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. That's, that's D and D. Just drink, goddammit. Go find the water yourself. <laughs> the way to bring Chandra, very nice way to earn inspiration through RP. Potential have an interaction with a refugee if you use it pays off later during attack with call whatever RP went down on the way. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that, that would be the goal. That would be the goal. I just don't have anything specific in terms of like here are events that come through. I really do hope that um 
you know, the players come up with stuff that they can do on their own. We had Genocider sponsor Refugee. <laughs> Good Genocider play. Oh, man. Genocider needs to be the only brew in town. Which we mentioned um, one event we can't. So I, I, I will, I have some events. Like, like the, the whole, uh, you know, morality complication with Rezzing Celeste is technically an event. That's something that they have to just deal with. It's not like a big skill challenge or anything like that, though. Um, another event, which, so I'm, I'm planning on it. I'm organizing it with three days. Day one is arriving at Bryn Shander, which, you know, they left Sunblight in the morning. So it took six hours to get to East Haven. Um, they're at East Haven for at least a couple hours, you know, and they short rested there. And then they're going another, what did I say, four hours to get to Bryn Shander. So basically, if I'm being generous, we're arriving at Bryn Shander in the evening. So that also is a good way of saying, hey, you know, it's getting dark. You know, the priestess needs to go fucking to sleep. Like, you know, we, we have to process these people will be out late. Like, this is going to be ridiculous. And Marshall's you. And I think because they're all low anyway, like you guys need to go get a fucking long rest. So that's technically day one even though it's really just the evening, but that's basically them meeting up in Bryn Shander and um, basically just trying to meet with all the important NPCs to trigger out, you know, figure out what the status quo is, and then they can long rest. Then we begin day two, which I actually did write down. If the players want to try to calculate when the dragon will arrive, then that they can make an intelligence check, and then based on how well they roll, they can actually figure out pretty accurately how long they have until the dragon. In my mind, the dragon arrives at noon on day three. Okay, so day one is arriving at Bryn Shander, even though it's the evening. Then they have a full day and night in Bryn Shander, and then they have a half day in Bryn Shander, and then the dragon arrives. And then based on their intelligence check, they'll be able to accurately pinpoint, because I think I, I like speakers say like, oh, you know, based on the speed or something that people were thinking, we, we've got like a couple days prepare, whatever else, you know, they don't know exactly. And the players are like, no, you have like a day and a half and then it's going to be here. So that'll be a, a fun chance, hopefully for them to be able to utilize that brain power. So day two, we've got the resing of Celeste, uh, which will happen, but will cost the players some money. And, you know, maybe maybe they can do some goodwill. Maybe they can help out some way, but whatever else. And maybe we can even do a split party thing. Maybe it can be, you know, because um, Valin is going to mention, uh, well, Valin will mention, hey, you know, obviously I want to find the, the, the safe house while we're here, but we don't have to do that now. It's not a big, well, maybe we should do that now in case the dragon destroys it. In fact, I could say that. Like, that's something they can do on day two. They can be like, let's go find the Valish Gaunt's you know, whatever safe house, anything he's got where we've got it. You know, I, I have a lead on like where his warehouse that he used was. And I was exploring, I was going to explore that warehouse when I got captured by Dwerger, who happened to be squatting in that warehouse is basically her story. So they can go back to that warehouse. Obviously, Dwerger won't be there. And then they can search around. Now, initially, I thought, okay, do I want to turn this into a whole little dungeon and have like traps and stuff there? But then I thought, maybe not <laughs> because because that's the only thing that's going to happen that day and they're going to get another long rest and then it's going to be dragon attack so it's honestly kind of pointless to throw any kind of like damagey combat stuff at them i feel like and let's just let's just do a kind of montage and let them plan so instead um i think that's also going to be another exploration event is going to be finding the valish gaunt thing i'll have like a, a journal you know, thing that they'll find. Maybe they'll maybe they'll deal with a trap, but it'll all just be kind of theater of the mind, which is you know it's weird in roll twenty because we're always dealing with maps and tokens and handouts and all that. So it's I get uncomfortable when I don't have players on a map for a while. But I think I'm gonna try to get. I think we're gonna do that next session. Basically, I think we're gonna try to get away with it. So that'll be one event, and then Valen will also mention. Oh, hey, by the way, you know I was captured by Dwerger and Bryn Shander. You all dealt with Dwerger in near Kerkonig and and in East Haven, and then in East Haven again when the dragon attacked. So maybe we should fucking search this town for Dwerger. That might be a good idea. So that would hopefully be something the players could do. Now they could pawn that off and say, okay, we'll just tell the militia about that and and they can deal with it, or they can take it on themselves. I would assume players would want to do that themselves. And that, I think, would be a pretty fun skill challenge. And then that one, I would want to see the players actually do some fun detective work. You know, let them shake people down and roll skill checks and, and do whatever else um, in order to try to find this place. So it's not going to be a 
you know, dungeon crawl system or anything else, but I think it would be a fun way to do kind of a skill challenge thing. What I need to come up with is um, what are what is the pass-fail partial success system for that? And if you're not, if you take damage out of the equation because it's pointless to kind of do damage to players between long rests, then really all you have is exhaustion, I think? Maybe you can take away hit dice, but they get half of them back on a long rest anyway, so you'd have to lose a lot of hit dice to make that matter. And it feels weird just dinging the exhaustion. So that's the only thing I'm fumbling with. The other thing I could do is, okay, instead of making it punitive, 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 I'm saying that wrong. Anyway, um, you uh, make it success-based. So instead of saying, okay, you're going to take these different failure points if you fail, say, okay, the better you succeed, the more rewards you'll get. So maybe the more loot you get because you find the entire Dwerger, you know, cache and you get all this extra stuff. So I'm leaning towards um, making it uh, just a reward thing because I don't know if I want to actually include any Dwerger and Bryn Shander, so I kind of want the players to find them. <laughs> Unless they just completely hit the bet. I know, don't roll skills if you don't want them to fail. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, I I could reward them extra for succeeding. So maybe that's the difference. If they fail, they still maybe find the Dwerger, and they won't know the DCs or anything, but maybe they'll find the Dwerger, they just don't find... Um, Maybe and maybe I montage. We're like, okay, you find them, but you get the jump on, you know. And it's it's a it's a fight, you know. Everybody takes damage, but you manage to take them down and kill them, you know. We just basically just hand wave away the actual attack because I just don't feel the need to run that combat encounter. Frankly, maybe my players would enjoy that, and it's worth you know running a little warehouse encounter with a bunch of Dwerger. We can talk about that, I guess. But um, or the other thing I could do is make it so, hey, if you roll really well on these skills then you find it and you find some of their extra like, you know, storage cache loots. You find some extra, you know, weapon and gold and potions and things will be more rewarding. Degrees of success. There you go. We're going to have a reduce during dragon attack. If I want to use the Dorger at all, you know, we, we did use them in East Haven a lot. Um, the dragon... I guess it does mention in the book. I haven't even clicked on anything. This is how much I'm off book right now. And honestly, we're going to be off book for a while. Until we get back to doing like one of the chapter two stuff. You know, all of this is kind of off book. Uh, I mean, off book. We're still doing, we're still running chapter four, right? We're still doing the Shardland Dragon. It's still destroying towns. It's just that there's not enough content in the book for me to make adventures out of this. But it does mention specifically, I think I've read this four times on the stream, that, uh, yeah, towards a Dwarger assassination attempt. So there are... Dwerger in Bryn Shander. It doesn't fucking mention anything else about them. So that, yeah, that could be that could be one of the successes, though. If I do want to include Dwerger, you know, spies that are attacking people, um, you know, what would the plan there be? And maybe maybe that's the whole thing, is that I do it off-screen. That could be something. If, if, if the players do fail a little bit, and thus there are Dwerger that survive then maybe that's the off-screen attempt. Maybe um, it says, you know, both leaders are scarred but survive. So maybe, you know, they don't actually get killed, but Southwell and Shane both get injured um, by Dwerger because the players didn't quite find enough of them instead of including the Dwerger in the dragon fight because I, I kind of like the idea of just having the dragon with, um, you know, him using his malevolent presence to convert a bunch of militia and uh, townsfolk because that is one critical piece of intel that the players have no idea they haven't, they haven't seen it because the dragon didn't do that in East Haven. It didn't ever land, so they never saw its malevolent presence go off. So that will be the big shocker in terms of what the dragon can do. Your players are done with Dwerger. I think we're all done with the Dwerger. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's definitely how I'm leaning towards, is we've we've dealt with them a ton. We fought them a ton. You know, it was fun doing them. The spies were a different stat block, at least. I think it was cool doing the, you know, militia fight. But uh, I think if we can do it as a skill challenge, I think that'll be more... Uh, satisfying and interesting and i'm hoping once again my it's it's more player initiative in terms of how to actually run this skill challenge because you could do all kinds of stuff if you're if your whole challenge is just we need to find these sleeper agents in a city that are holding out you could roll almost any single skill in DD to justify why this skill is being used right you could use any charisma check to just shake people down you could obviously do any kind of tracking skills 
Um, and you could do like, I don't know, you can try to work out athletics and sleight of hand to like, you know, pickpocket some correspondence and, you know, perception to overhear something like literally you could do just whatever the fuck you wanted to do to try to make that happen. Um, and I would pretty much let all of it go as long as it's fun and entertaining. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, hopefully, hopefully they find some, <laughs> but I don't even, even, you know, my point is, even if they find some, it's not going to be a battle. I'm not doing a, a battle map. It's not, it just doesn't seem pointless to do one little skirm because the players are level six and they just long rested and they're just about to get a long rest. Like the way D and D is balanced, there's just no reason to actually run that as a fight. Um, and it's just going to take time. So I don't feel the need to do that. That'll just be a skill challenge that they can do whatever. Um, yeah, wide open, exactly. And hopefully they'll they'll take the initiative with that. Um, I do like the idea. I think we talked the last time about a potion seller hoarding potions and selling them from incredibly high prices, just being a complete asshole, um, you know, taking advantage of the situation, the fact that people are needing, you know, potions of cold resistance and potions of healing and all that. And they're already pretty expensive. Most people probably can't afford just one potion. And instead of, you know, even trying to give people a little bit of help, this person's like, you know, selling them for very high prices and things. So maybe that can be, you know, probably just an easy way for the players to throw their weight around. Players like to do that. At least my players love to fucking do that. <laughs> fucking intimidate people and just be like, look, do you know what I'm capable of? I have a thousand hit points. I will kill you. Average person has like four. Also, it feels weird, but we could do a bit of shopping in Brinchander. Technically. <laughs> um... You know, they, they're fucking flush with gold and jewels and all the treasures from Sunblight. It would be really awkward to do it during a crisis, but um, people still got to run their business, I guess. But what can they actually buy? In fact, they only say like three different stores, and one of them is like a really funny, like cheap, crappy version of a blacksmith. Yeah, it's Inn and Tavern, the House of the Morning Lord, and the Black Iron Blades. They don't even mention like a general store or anything, which I would assume they could buy anything in the player's handbook, but with limited prices. I know before when I played previous campaigns, I definitely um, played around with limiting, you know, stock. And really all players care about is potions of healing. Well, potions in general. So I definitely want to do the potion seller, but there's going to be a little bit of drama there. And then uh, whatever the players decide to do and how they work it, then... We can have the potion seller obviously sell some stuff to the players for maybe even cheaper prices, but it still becomes an interesting morality thing where it's like you've also got people here that need the potions as well and not just the marshals. And, and maybe he complains because, you know, the militia came through and confiscated a bunch of, you know, potions and things to keep their, you know, soldiers healthy and safe and everything. And so he's charging more. So it'll be a whole, you know, back and forth thing. We could have a bit of fun with that. <laughs> Is Torga still alive? Is Tor who is Torga? I don't even know. Um, I don't think I use Torga. Caravanning merchant. I don't. Yeah, you'll have to remind me of who that is. Going to be part of my finger collection for Hato Price Crunchy Vendor. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Taking more fingers. Wise could attack the priest that raises Celeste. Wow. Um, that's dark. I didn't know if I had any drama planned for the raising of Celeste. I think, you know, the player's been dead for... Their character's been dead for several sessions, so I think I'm going to let that happen. But it's still going to cost them a bunch. And as I mentioned, hopefully they'll just feel a little bit bad about it, but maybe not. I do kind of like the twist that they actually have to physically kill the zombie body in order to raise her, though. Because Resurrection, I think, has to work on a dead body. Raise dead is... But raise dead... Dead. Return a dead creature to life. No longer than 10 days. It's not been dead no longer than 10 days. I think it's only been a day, I believe. I guess two days. I guess they long rested in Sunblight, and then they will be long resting in Brinchander. Both willing and at liberty to rejoin the body. So the Spore Servant is not a dead creature. It's a plant. So I would argue they would have to kill that plant first. Which that would just obviously be an off-screen, like funny little. I you know take my axe and hack it apart because I don't think it would. If if Balraman is there to render it comatose, then they can choose to do that however they want. And it is an ordeal. 
I don't know if we'll keep track of this or not. I mean, technically it is what the spell says, but, you know, it's up to the player to keep track. I'm not probably going to keep track of it. I'm minus four to everything. But they'll get another long rest before they deal with the dragon, so that's one thing at least. Well, if the res happens on day two, I don't plan on having Dwarger attack, honestly. it's They're waiting for the dragon, and I want the players to be able to handle all that stuff off screen, I think. Cold-hearted killer connection with Sephic Caltro. Yeah, I didn't run any of that. I skipped that completely. I thought about using him in some different way, like as an agent of the Frost Maiden, which I guess he is in the book. Um, but like somebody's like hunting the players and everything. But I, I really wanted to play in my campaign, I wanted to play the Frost Maiden as not just this evil overseer of the land. I really wanted to, her to play as almost a anxious god who is uh, with a goal of finding like what the wizard that caused this problem, which the problem for her was the wizard Neslantamir, um, found Etherin, and that's that freaked out uh, the Frost Maiden. So that's been her whole thing. Um, I really didn't want to turn into just a monstrously evil force in here because I would love the players to be able to actually converse with her and probably become uh, agents of the Frost Maiden for the third act of our three-act campaign, if I can pull that off. Well, still, of course, battling her because she's got some stat blocks, and why not? Um, but I haven't found a use for Suffolk Caltro yet. Maybe I will later. I mean, he's just he's basically just an assassin stat block, but he's got, like, some ice powers. But right now, I don't see the reason why... Well, they've got Valin, though if the Frostmane realizes that they've got one of the Arcane Brotherhood wizards with them, then maybe I can do it that way. So maybe I can play it up in Act 2 that uh, it starts chasing. In fact, you could do something. Maybe... Maybe the talking fox gets possessed for a second. The icy eyes glow. And she sees the dragon, you know, like they're leaving, they're still leaving uh, East Haven. Looks back, sees the dragon. But then the head snaps around and sees Valen and just says, Wizard! Or something. And then the eyes return to normal and he's like, Hey, what's, why are y'all looking at me like that? You know, he doesn't even know what's going on. And that could be a fun test that, okay, maybe now the eye of Sauron. Uh, metaphorically has turned its gaze upon you. But would that be too weird timing-wise because the players are carrying a avatar of the Frostmane, which they hope to unleash to defeat the dragon. So they're kind of using the Frostmane's power. That might be awkward. That would be... Maybe I need to save that for after... We also need to figure out how that actual cutscene is going to work with them. So, all right, so day two. Day two is um, Rezzing Celeste. Um, dealing with the potion, uh, wanting to buy potions, but the potion seller is, uh, you know, selling very high prices. You know, he's been, uh, had several potions. There's a better word than confiscated at the government does what is that when they come in and fucking take your shit <laughs> um eminent domain i guess except for your stuff instead of property <laughs> um rooting out the dwarger saboteurs which will just be a skill challenge and then basically just oh oh and and finding um the valish gaunt which they could they could do that anytime but Berlin would actually you know would obviously say hey we can do this also um, finding Valish Gaunt safe house, which would not be a battle map or anything. It would just be a question of going to that place, maybe rolling some skill checks. Maybe there's a single, maybe there's a puzzle involved instead of a trap. That's hopefully interesting. I just, there's no point in dealing damage to the players. And I mean, I guess it's just a fun thing to do. Like, oh, you set off the trap and it blasts you for this much damage. The player's like, oh, okay, nobody cares. <laughs> Seized, appropriated, commandeer. These are all good. <laughs> These are all excellent. Those are all good words. <laughs> um, so I think that would hopefully fill out most of day two. Now, what I can't plan on is what the players decide to do tactically for when the dragon does come. 
They might have specific ideas or tactics they want to employ. In terms of what Bryn Shander normally does, I don't think it's much because they don't normally deal with dragons. Let's see what this says in a Bryn Shander. Bryn is bursting at the seams of refugees. The outer walls offer no defense against the flying dragon, but people can hide in the town's root cellars. Okay, so they have a lot of cellars, buildings, maybe storm shelters, things that people can hide in, although not enough, I mean, it'd be enough, maybe, not even, probably enough for the whole town, let alone all these other towns that are coming in. As I mentioned, the fact that their population balloons from 1,200 to 2,700. Think about that, enough refugees that more than double your town's size. That is crazy. Dragon and the Dwerger claim 200 lives each hour. Okay, so there's actually a fucking lot of Dwerger in here. Well, I mean, that could mean there's five Dwerger. It just says the dragon takes out 199 and the Dwerger take out one. It doesn't necessarily say they both take out a bunch. And it's there. Let's see, it spends six hours strafing the town, remaining airborne. So that's obviously the players want to unleash it when it's when it just starts doing that. And then it would land. And then the idea is... When they summon the avatar, they do a little cutscene battle, and then the dragon falls. Ultimately, I think the dragon would win the battle, but it's damaged enough where it has to fall to the ground, and then it loses its uh, flight capabilities, and that allows the players to get a big uh, leg up on it, literally. This is from Targos. Yeah, Targos is actually where they have... So that's interesting, the fact that they might not want to empty Targos too much because the Targos Militia actually has... Um, yeah, I just dragon simple by 15. Dwerger moving invisibly through town and indiscriminately murdering people. Yeah, it just... It doesn't even... You know, it's funny. It calculates the dragon stuff specifically and then it doesn't cover the Dwerger stuff at all. Because it mentions, like, okay, here's where the dragon is for this length of time. Here's what it destroys and all this. And then it just mentions offhand, like, oh, yeah, and the Dwarga are running around killing people. Like, well, could you be a little more specific about that? Yeah, I guess. But then like, I, I do want to make, like, rooting out the Dwarga part of their skill challenge they do on the second day. So... There is the possibility that if they if they succeed with flying colors, then they should be able to eliminate like all the Dwerger from the threat. So maybe, and that's another good off-screen thing though, is that maybe there are more militia available. Um, the better they do at that skill challenge, that means there's more militia available because there's fewer Dwerger to be able to uh, fight them. So we could actually say there's multiple cells everywhere, and if you do this many successes, you find this many. Um, of those cells in town and thus not only does it give you rewards in terms of maybe gold and potions but it's also fewer dwerger you have to deal with in Bryn Shander and when I say deal with I don't mean the players are ever actually having to deal with these dwerger it just means that um, maybe off screen you know more people are killed more damage is done and meaningfully in the battle maybe the players will have more or fewer uh, militia at their disposal, which ironically, if they have more militia, that's just more people that are gonna get stuck in the dragon's malevolent presence. <laughs> I'm very excited about. Any creature with intelligence of four or more that's within 30 feet, 30 feet's a bummer, they gotta be near. Uh, a DC 16 whiz saver be charmed by a minute. Creature can repeat the save at the end of each of its turns. If a creature does make the save, it's immune, so you have to repeat it. And then the charmed creature basically has to do, on each of its turns, move and use an action against another melee target. And it's not random. The dragon is specifically like choosing him with his mind. Which is pretty cool. But 30 feet is a bummer. I would imagine most people would stay back with crossbows. Now, the dragon could move around. Make sure to extend that 30 feet. Or, on the DM, I could just say it's whatever fucking range I want it to be. <laughs> I'll probably also give it more hit points, but also mention the fact that it's damaged. But, oh, here's a good thing. Do I need to give this thing legendary actions? 
Do adult dragons have legendary actions? Because I think we discern this thing as an adult dragon. Why did I type adult dragon? That's not how it's... Oh, it's adult. Yeah, color. Because I fucking should. All boss creatures should. This stat block, baby. Not have layer actions. Does not have regional effects. Yeah, adult definitely has legendary actions, which this thing is not quite an adult dragon. C17 hit points is fewer. Of course you do. All boss creatures need legendary actions, no matter their CR, really. So it is not... What's a weaker dragon? Yes. He's voting yes. Grass dragon's only slightly weaker. It's not quite a adult... I gotta sneeze. Uh, telling you, this weather is destroying me. This fucking 80 degrees one day and 40 degrees the next is just wrecking havoc on my nasal passages. Ugh. Legendary actions for sure. Okay, do we just copy and paste like a black dragon then? Also, who the fuck is using a perception check as a legendary action? If you've got a party full of rogues and they're all like disengaging and... Popping out at you, I guess, would be the only thing I can see that happening. We might have to give it something other than wing attack, though, because I specifically mentioned that its wings are going to get damaged. I wonder if anybody's got... The new dragons. Cast a spell. You don't have spells, do you, buddy? Um, we want to make it real nasty. One of the legendary actions could be to try to roll its recharge again. That'd be pretty easy to do mechanically. Yeah, it definitely needs legendary resistance. It's already got magic resistance, but I think most... Does dragons have that anyway? No, I guess they don't. Is there some kind of shardling thing I could do? Yeah, at least poisonous spores. Like, maybe it does some kind of... What the fuck does shardling do? At least shardling spikes everywhere. Something that's more interesting, maybe. I mean, a tail attack is pretty cool as well. Tail attack at web. No, it can't do regeneration. It's uh, It specifically says it continues to take damage and has to go back to Sunblight to get repairs. Cast Godzilla Laser Attack, which is exactly what its Radiant Breath is. Man, we recently, um, every week we watch a movie, has live tweet it, and in the last two weeks I've watched Godzilla vs. Kong and Godzilla King of Monsters, and in a couple months ago we watched the uh, 24, we rewatched Godzilla 2014. I'd seen that one before. I really liked King of Monsters. I thought that was cool as shit. And I thought Godzilla vs. Kong was pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> so that's my quick uh, feedback on Godzilla, uh, the recent Godzilla movies. Alright, you get legendary action. And I probably will bump its hit points at least a bunch, but also describe it as being injured. You know what I really like too are the mythic system from uh what is that? The Theros one, I think. Chain lightning would be interesting. But you know where it's um if it's reduced to zero hit points, it like enters a second stage and becomes a whole bigger, badder boss fight. Um that could be interesting too. Like maybe the plates peel off and it becomes this just necrotic thing underneath. And it's, you know, mechanically it's like the same thing, but maybe a few stats change and you essentially have to fight like the whole monster again. That's probably too much to throw at my players. <laughs> but it's it's a cool system for doing boss fights is essentially you reduce the creature all the way down to zero hit points and then all of a sudden it just regains usually its full amount of hit points, maybe half, and then gets um, one or two new abilities. 
very much inspired by, you know, like video game fucking boss fights. So yeah, I think tail attack can be one. That'll be an obvious one to add. Yeah, mythic system. It's pretty cool. It's a way to make boss fights really fucking crazy because whatever your players do, they still have to take it down to zero hit points and then it goes all the way back up. But I don't think I'm going to do that here. Shoot Shardolin. It's you. Oh shit, that's a... That's actually fucking badass. Rathagoras, if it shoots out Edmund's fucking Shardolin balls. <laughs> That would be hilarious. It's fucking shoulder cannons mount up. <laughs> Probably too much. That's awesome. Restraining people. Oh my goodness. To be fair, I have denied him several times on the... Uh, he has used it very effectively and devastatingly so. I've also denied him like the last two times. Well, he used it on Nildar, I guess. That was pretty effective. You know, he didn't do it on the uh, Umber Hulk, did he? I was kind of surprised at that. Figure he would try to do that. But we already talked about it. If he tries to do it to the dragon, um, the dragon is made of Shardolin. It would wear that with a badge of pride. That, that wouldn't restrain him at all. It would, like, mold to his form. He would lose that shit, and it would probably up its AC. Yeah, I don't know if I'll actually do that. The mythic thing. Uh, so what, yeah, that's, what are some other, and like I said, we're, we're not, there's no way we're fighting the dragon this week, so this is all future talk anyway, but what I'd like to do is, is plan it that we do all of the exploration-y stuff this week, so we get to Bryn Shander, we do all the things we talked about, we res Celeste, we find Valor Scott's safe house, we look for the Dwergers, we deal with the potion seller, you know, we just have a lot of chat with all the people. I figure out who from what city is coming and what kind of news they've got there. And we take care of all that this week. And then I did tell him Frost, I, yeah, I probably either, I'm just straight up like strongly hinted or mentioned or something. Yeah. Um, and what I'd like to do is then go on and then that, that'll be like day two at the end. And then day three we just basically deal with like a few tactical stuff of, of preparation and then dragon. Cause I would, obviously that's going to be a session lasting fight. So I think that's our best case scenario is we do all that stuff, all the non-combat stuff basically this week. And then we plan on uh, doing the big dragon battle the week after next. That puts a nice cap on chapter four. Dragon reaches zero HP, get out of the dragon, begin to molt in front of the player, it becomes a different color of dragon. Ooh. What can I get away with Shardolin doing? These are the gem ones. Oh, these are the Fizzman ones, and then Topaz Dragon. You went home. you name a color and a gem and we got your thing. They've got different breath weapons though, which is cool. A desiccating breath. Maybe it explodes. I know that when it dies, um, it just rains shardling everywhere, and obviously people should know how dangerous that shit is, because they've been dealing with that this whole time. Although, to an extent, it is dangerous and corrupting, but they've also seen people wield it and generally make it stronger, but either way, you don't want the average person necessarily have their hands on it. It's hit with waves of madness. That's interesting. It's malevolent presence goes off really harshly and everybody still has to deal with that. You guys like having some kind of a death trigger. <laughs> a void drag. It's from Tomb of Beasts. Let's look at dragons. 
Aura of Madness. It's got two different breath weapons. Gravitic... Gravitic breath? Stellar flare breath. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. Excuse me. Exhales a 60-foot cube of powerful localized gravity. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think it's badass. I just randomly started looking through my dragons. Dragon twists the fabric of space. Or an item, okay. And then it says the tail attack. Say what that is. The cool thing is, I mean, the players have to deal with that malevolent presence as well when they get close. But once they succeed once, it doesn't become a thing anymore. But I could give it legendary resistance. It's got magic resistance and legendary resistance. You guys are basically not going to do shit in terms of saving throws. Alright, it's got that. Got that. Well, we can think on it. I'm not sold on what kind of special thing to give it as legendary action. Something interesting, something that feels thematic to Dwerger creating a dragon out of Shardlin. And I've got that whole, I've got a bunch of Shardlin items that always have to deal with short-term madness. So I think having a way to inflict short-term madness um, on players could be pretty appropriate. Just like stares at somebody, or maybe it does a, a, a AOE effect that people have to save. That can deal, and it wouldn't it wouldn't last one d ten minutes because that's just fucking awful for combat. But it would last um, one round, similar to how all the shardle and stuff works. So we can knock somebody stunned or unconscious for a, a solid round. I think that could be uh, pretty effective, but I would need to come up with the balancing mechanic for it. Maybe it only targets one person with it. Maybe it costs one legendary action. Oh yeah, create like toxic things on the battlefield. Now you're thinking video game, yeah. Danger spots. <laughs> you describe them as danger spots. <laughs> Don't touch the danger spots. <laughs> that is cool though. Create like a dynamic layer. It summons up like these frightening shardlin things. If this was a straight up like huge ass siege battle, like a protracted fight. I mean, you could have corrupted people eventually turn into like gibbering mouthers and go really crazy with it. But I don't think I want to go. Um, well, I don't know. We'll see. It might be pretty crazy, but we'll have a we'll still have a lot of time to plan this out. Um, in terms of what we want to actually accomplish with this fight and how crazy we want to get it. It's, you know, partly it's going to be the players trying to destroy it while also being in a very dangerous area to fight a dragon. So it'll be interesting to see if they try to take any of that into effect while also being surrounded potentially by allies who immediately may turn into enemies. In fact, what is... What is... I've opened too many windows. I've lost the windows... Uh, what am I looking for? I want to look at Bryn Shander. I want to see what stat block you use for their guards. It's just veterans, tribal warriors, and veterans. Tribal warrior stat block has a plus zero on wisdom. And the veteran has also a plus zero on wisdom. So chances are... Uh, they're not going to do so well on the Malevolent Presence saving throw. So that might be a tactic the players have been like, hey, everybody, you know, get on nearby buildings or in some, you know, areas and cover and, you know, help us fight this dragon. And then when the dragon lands and you've got people, you know, and I could have the dragon be moving around or, you know, somehow aff afflicting people with this madness and all of a sudden they've got people that were, you know, aimed at the dragon suddenly sh turning at them and firing fucking crossbows that would be 
pretty delightful. They will be fully rested except for Celeste. I think Celeste still gets the benefits of a long rest, but she would just be... Because if they do it on day two, and then they resurrect, and then they would get day three. So she's fully rested, but I, I think she would still have that debuff modifier. But that would be a, her triumphant return to um, back to her old self, and then congratulations, you don't have to fight a dragon. Alright, they've already got the crossbow and the stat block. All right, um, that has been about an hour, so I think that is going to do it for this Monday edition of Crafting Icewind Dale. Uh, thank you all for joining me. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Tiny Dancer, Christopher, Thomas, Adam, Stan, Nathan, Alex, William, I'm Loud, Al, Kyle, Sklenia, Genocider, James, and David. And Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Deadlifted Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Blood Angel, Ronus, Nathan, Fast Like a Tortoise, James, and Perry. Thank you all very much for your support. I will return with the Thursday edition of Crafting Icewind Dale on Thursday. Good week. Until then. Peace.